0: You're listening to the 411 on Mousecapades Radio. It's my station. The following is an original production of the Mousecapades Radio Network. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Vicki and I'm here with Kaylee and we are so happy that you are joining us. We hope that you are all still safe and happy and healthy and following the precautions of wherever you may live for right now. This is episode 513, and you are listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Today, we are going to be sharing part three of fascinating facts and backstories
1: of some of your favorite Disney animations. But before we get started, we want to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is a part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story
0: Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. So as Kaylee said, this is going to be the part three. So as far as we know, the last one that we have on like dark things that we found about Disney animated movies. So this is obviously the third time that we've done this. I think we had a skip in between because it had a trip report, but we thought we'd go ahead because people were really enjoying it and we were actually enjoying learning about it, even though some of it was dark and a little bit scary, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I like that. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> So we're going to kick it off with Aladdin and give you a little bit of background on it. And so the 1992 animated film is based on a folk tale, most probably of Middle Eastern origin. Aladdin was not part of the original Arabic text of the Book of the 1001 Nights or the Arabian Nights. But it is one of the best known tales associated with this collection. It was added later by Frenchman Galland, who acquired it from a Syrian storyteller. Regardless of the origin, it is one of the best known and the most retold of all of the fairy tale stories. So the story follows a self-professed street rat named Aladdin, who that's how we've seen him in all the movies for Disney. he finds a buried lamp and he releases a blue genie who grants him three wishes. Through a series of events, Aladdin is finally able to win the heart of the princess. Now, the interesting thing to me on this is it says he finds a buried lamp, Kaylee. That is not how... It was portrayed to us in the Disney movies. I mean, I guess he finds it. Yeah, he finds it because Jafar throws him into the cave and tells him to go in there and get this that's one so thing for him. That's <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's a, a interesting take on how they think he found that.
1: Little known facts about this film is to land Robin Williams for the part of Aladdin, the animators created test sequences of the genie performing... Robin's own stand-up routines. Eric Goldberg led the team of animators who were in charge of creating Genie. When he was first handed the script, Goldberg was told to dig up some old Robin Williams comedy albums and animate a Genie to them. So that's what he did, and Williams came in to see the test, and this quote summarized Goldberg's perspective on it. I think probably what sold him was the one where he says, Tonight, let's talk about the serious subject of schizophrenia. No, it doesn't. Shut up. Let him talk. What I did is animate the genie growing another head to argue with himself, and Robin just laughed. He could see the potential of what the character could be. I'm sure it wasn't the only factor, but then he
0: signed the dotted line. And honestly, um, we've been watching lately as a family, maybe not so much Kaylee, but Brad and Joey and I, watching Robin Williams on YouTube videos and stuff. And if you think about it, a lot of what he does is kind of like being schizophrenic. And I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying, so that probably did help
1: yeah he's just all over the place like his his comedy is even though i haven't been watching
0: them with you guys recently i have still watched them and he's all over the place right i just love how i don't know how his mind works that fast obviously i think he had some attention problems in his lifetime i would i would have to say that he did um and actually it would have been kind of fun to see him in class as a student like where his mind was going and how far a teacher could take him because He's a genius in his own right, obviously. Yeah. The genie's lines were recorded up to 20 different ways for Aladdin. Williams was available for only a handful of the recording sessions, so he would come into the studio and he would rapid fire each line as it was written and in as many different styles as he could. Here's a quote by Goldberg from Entertainment Weekly. Robin had so much freedom and ad-libbing was always encouraged. He always gave us such a huge amount to choose from. He would do a line as it was written, but he would do it 20 different characters. We would take those tracks back to the studio and really put the ones in that made us laugh the most and were the ones that we thought were best suited to the lines. So even though he gave us a W.C. Fields, a Groucho Marx, and a Peter Lorre on no substitutions, exchanges, or ref- refunds, we said, okay, the Groucho one goes here. That's interesting. So, <clears throat> yeah, because... Now, how many years did you tell me he died in 2014, right? Yeah, you it was longer ago this? than you realized. Right. But his will said after 10 years that those extra sequences from the making of the aladdin movie could be released so i'm hoping that um like his spouse doesn't try to change that or whatever i would love i think that would just be so entertaining to just watch, watch him, him riff
1: like as a character
0: right because think about the beginning of mrs doubtfire when yeah. he, when he's doing those that was uh, enjoyable just to watch him do that and we like to watch it um like these Disney sing alongs that they've been putting out when they show people in the studio. We like to watch that.
1: I like to watch it, but it's also cringy for me because like as someone who would never want to do that, it's just cringy to watch, like secondhand embarrassment, you know what I'm saying? Like I was You're watching, embarrassed for them? Yeah. Like I was watching footage from onward, Tom Holland and Chris Pratt just going back and forth and they're in the same room, which is not always the case. Like sometimes they have to record without each other, but they were across from each other, riffing off of each other's lines and everything, but it just was embarrassing to watch. I don't know why, but it always is.
0: I don't know why that's embarrassing for you, for me. Maybe listeners
1: understand what I'm saying, but like you've never been like that, but I'm also someone as forward as I am. I hate like social anxiety about some things. Like I hate ordering food. I hate like going places I don't know by myself and having to nap. Well, actually that's false. I prefer going places if I don't know people by myself. It's when I'm with people I know that I'm so uncomfortable and I don't know why. It's just...
0: I don't understand that either. For me, I love to watch them because I appreciate them as an artist that much more. And as a performer, I would think that you would be okay with that because you're used to singing in front of people, playing the flute in front of people. I mean, I was raised singing.
1: But again, the singing, the vocal majors are different because with an instrument, I have a barrier. Like the instrument I'm playing, but I have a set facial expression. I'm not acting anything. I'm performing music when vocalists have to use facial expressions they don't have an instrument barrier between them and the audience like they have to
0: act while they sing I guess that's true but I mean you did sing too so I th- I just think that that's not a big deal but I totally do back to where we were is I hope that when the 10 years is up that his wife will let Disney release those tapes of footage of hours and hours of what they have of him creating the genie because i mean we loved him anyway just to love him more and appreciate him more as an artist
1: yeah i hope so too the original gallon tale is quite different from the film and some of the wilder and darker discrepancies were adapted differently or removed completely here's a list of some key differences between the tale itself versus the film version in the original tale aladdin lives in china But in the Disney film version, Aladdin lives in the Middle East in the made-up country of Agrabah. Aladdin lives with his mother in the original tale, and that backstory is completely omitted in both film versions, both Disney film versions. Aladdin's father in in the original tale we know about his father and how he's a tailor and literally died of shame because Aladdin wouldn't learn a trade and played with street urchins. That's a little disappointing, and I don't know low-key, like, why are you dying just from shame? I was going to
0: say, that that to me seems a little sad, but it's it apparently was not important to Disney, because then...
1: Yeah, they cut it out. And honestly, I don't miss that part. I think the mother part may have been nice, but then maybe they would have wanted the dad part, too, and it just didn't work.
0: I don't know. They were just wanting to... They could have easily written the mother in, or that she had passed away.
1: Yeah. Some They did kind of... I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen the original one, but in the... Live action. In the live action, he, like, Jasmine is playing, like, a lute, and he's like, my mother taught me that song, blah, blah, blah. It was the only thing I remember of her. Right. So it's mentioned, but, like, eh, left to your imagination. In the original, Aladdin has two genies on his side, one from the lamp and one from a ring, when the Disney film version decided that the second genie should not be referenced.
0: Hmm. Maybe they were like, that's too confusing. Or too much. Who would you, I mean, I guess... They could have had Robin Williams play both of them because he has enough characters in his repertoire. An, still. Yeah,
1: still would have been weird. Aladdin faces off against three villains in the original story, including one who whisks Jasmine away to North Africa. This just seems all over the place. Like this original story, what the heck is happening? Yeah, I don't know. And obviously, that's not a story point in the real in the Disney version we know. In the original, the Sultan tries to behead Aladdin for not protecting her adequately.
0: Yes. A great solution. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't protect my daughter. Off with your head.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. Obviously a bit dark for children. They didn't think it was dark when the Alice queen was beheading
0: everybody. That's right. I was just thinking. They just traded it over. Man.
1: Then, in the original tale, Aladdin sabotages Jasmine's wedding to another man by kidnapping the groom and holding him in a dark cell until the marriage is annulled. Well, um,
0: that kind of like ruins Aladdin. Like... Well, and and I'm sure that's why Disney did not him even less use it. Likable, probably, yeah. They didn't use it because they want the happily ever after, even though sometimes the happily ever after looks different in each movie. I know Frozen for sure was not how we originally thought it was going to end, or how I thought it was going to end. Well, yeah, a song. Well, no, I thought that Kristoff was going to come back, kiss her, and voila, the ending. But it wasn't. That wasn't the true love at all.
1: Oh yeah, that. I thought you meant the original plot
0: of Frozen. Oh, not what it was. No, sorry. Our next animated feature for Disney is The Lion King. So a little bit of story background on that is that it was released in 1994 and it was the fifth animated film produced during a period known as Disney's Disney's Renaissance. I don't know what is wrong with me, people. I'm so sorry. The original songs were written by composer Elton John and lyricist Tim Rice, with the score being written by Hans Zimmer. The story takes place in a kingdom of lions in Africa and was influenced By the biblical stories of Joseph and Moses, in addition to William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Which is very interesting to me. Because I don't think that until we started doing this that I even realized that. I had no idea that it was being influenced by biblical references. Yeah, it makes sense. No, it does. I'm just saying I don't think that I thought about that.
1: Yeah. Is it bad? I don't know. Maybe Lion King is not one that I watch. Like... I've maybe seen that fully through a couple of times, but it's, I reference it a lot, but I don't think the Lion King is like up in my favorites of Disney movies, which the listeners may behead me for that, but I don't know. I just have never found it I think it's because it you weren't alive,
0: because... But there are lots of movies that I love when I was alive. I know, but... Or I'm, from when I wasn't alive, <laughs> rather, So I'm saying, I think it was because that was the Renaissance period, and it was like the revival of Disney... So for me, even though I was a young adult, like I really remember this movie. For one thing, I was, I got married the year that movie came out. So the summer before I got married, your dad and I went to see this movie. We went to see Aladdin together. So I feel like the Renaissance period, I guess, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, is during the courting time of our lives. So it meant something special to me. And I really enjoyed it. And I really loved the music. So maybe because it's not the bug's life for you, where you have that, connection to your life
1: yeah I don't think a connection to movies for me would ever be courting even if I'm far in the future and old but that's just
0: how okay I am. dating
1: that's just no 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 that's just how I am dating or courting whatever you call it
0: oh okay so I was just trying to make a connection why it doesn't mean as much to you as it does to us oh well you're nice I think it's just because I don't think it's
1: as good but that's <laughs> okay okay Kayleigh. little known facts about the film it was the truly it was the first truly original Disney cartoon The Lion King was the first Disney animated film to feature a completely original storyline that is one that was not an adaptation of a pre-existing story. So no gruesome details for this one. I mean, this one's sad
0: enough already. That we know of.
1: True. Hakuna Matata wasn't in the original script for The Lion King. Instead, there was a song about eating bugs called He's Got It All Worked Out. According to co-director Rob Minkoff, We couldn't convince everybody that making the entire song about eating bugs was a good idea. (laughs) Soon after, the research team came back from their trip to Africa with the phrase Hakuna Matata. We talked about it in a meeting with Tim Rice, and that's when the idea struck. I remember Tim saying, hmm, Hakuna Matata. It's a bit like Bippity
0: Boppity Boo,
1: and a song was born. And I would say... Obviously. I think it's more popular than Bippity Boppity Boo, personally.
0: No, I do. I think it's more of a uh, supercalifragilisticexpialistic nature or a Spoonful of Sugar. Yeah. But yes, iconic songs that stick with people. And I don't know, even kids today, smaller kids even know Okuna Matata.
1: Yeah, it is interesting to know which things children know, especially when they're younger now, because you hear them say some things and you're like, how, how do, do they know, know that? that? Like, yeah you were born two years ago or something sometimes two-year-olds even know stuff from like a long time ago but it's just that iconic that they already know what it is
0: and it depends on what they were exposed to in their own families like we obviously exposed you to varieties of movies and um music that some kids are your age you've even said don't know
1: yeah there are lots of things that people my age don't know that like sometimes i think like okay well that's that's okay that you don't know that because we're like freaks about movies and everything <laughs> but some things i'm like how have, have you not never even heard of it let it like if you haven't seen it okay but some people have never heard of things i'm like do you live in america like at all or no <laughs> because
0: i don't know i i just yeah i know what you're saying but i mean every family is dynamic is so different and if your family was not into music Like, I think that's the big key for us, that Disney just ties so well with our love of music that that's why we're so connected. Very true. So get ready, because I'm pretty sure what I'm about to tell you is the dark side of what you were wanting. I mean,
1: I just meant there were no dark, like, origins, like, from 1500. Oh, okay. Where people were like, rape is fine. (laughs) It's not.
0: No, it is not. So there were protests raised against one scene, and I vaguely remember this, but... I remember reading about it. Yeah, they think that there's a, the word sex might have been embedded into the dust flying in the sky when Simba flops down. Now, I know that I watched that over and over and I didn't see it, but it says the conservative activist asserted that this was a subliminal message intended to promote s- sexual promiscuity. The animator, Tom Seto, has stated that the letters spell SFX. It was a common abbreviation for special effects, not with an E but an F which is intended as an innocent signature created by the effects animation team the film was also criticized for race and class issues the hyenas have also been seen as reflecting negative stereotypes of black and latino ethnic communities and that's probably because of the people that voiced them that's my opinion this is not what's in the storyline but probably because who they had voiced the film has um Sorry, film has also been criticized for advancing a fascist narrative in its portrayal of the Lion Kingdom and the circle of life where only the strong and the beautiful triumph and the powerless survive only by serving the strong.
1: I think my whole take on this is like, obviously I am white and grew up in middle class, so I know my opinion is different and my experiences are different than other people. But watching this even as an adult... Until the research was done for this episode, I never thought of it as a class system like America. No. Because the whole movie is about the circle of life in the animal kingdom. Thank you. Not like ours. And so I thought of it as, well, in a, in the wild, like, the lions are going to win. Sorry. Like, they got the teeth for it. they going to win. Survival of the fittest. That's how, like, animals work. Like, I never would have thought of that. It would have been totally different if this was people. Right. Like, I could see the argument, but there are lots of people involved in this film
0: that are very active in rights for ethnic communities all over. I was gonna say, it's not, it was not written by a Caucasian group necessarily. Yeah,
1: and like people who are casted as voices and people involved on the film are very big activists for the opposite of what, of the negative commentary for this. I don't know.
0: I just, and that's where I'm glad that you said that, only because we usually disagree on something like that. I never see it like that, but you said it's because I grew up like that. But this movie, definitely, I didn't see it, because exactly what you said. It's the animal kingdom. We have no control over the animal kingdom. God is the person that has, you know, if you want to take it up with yeah. him, you be my guest.
1: Well, but again, like, I grew up really okay. Like, you took care of us, and we had money, and I know that, and so... Maybe some people saw it and really connected with it in the negative way. But I don't think anybody was intending to write it in that way. So if you felt that way, it's not that they were targeting that in any way.
0: I think that, again, this has to do with how you're raised. And if you always see the negative side, I mean, you know that from jobs you've had or even school that you went to with kids, people that are around you, some are going to be all the time pessimist and some of them are going to be optimist. You're always going to have the half full or the half empty cup. And so I think sometimes it's just how you were raised. If your family was usually thinking like poor pitiful me all the time instead of looking for the blessings in what was going on. I think that that's where some of this comes from. We could go on for hours. So I'm just going to let you move on, sister.
1: So our last film that we're going to be talking about in today's episode is a bug's life so the story background and i think this is the first pixar movie we've done i think all the other ones have been cartoons am i
0: correct i believe so
1: um and so the story background the film was released in 1998 and it is the second film produced by pixar animation studios for walt disney pictures it was directed by john lasseter and co-directed slash written by andrew stanton The story of the film is based on the Aesop's Fable, The Ant and the Grasshopper. In addition, the plot has references to the Seven Samurai. I know Aesop's Fable. I'm a literature genius. You are? No. (laughs) I was just happy I recognized something for once. We've been talking about all these other ones that I I didn't know. I just think it's
0: interesting... Because I've read that story before and never connected it to this movie. (laughs) The film
1: involves a misfit ant named Flick who is looking for tough warrior bugs to save his colony from greedy grasshoppers, only to find that he's actually recruited a group of insects that turn out to be an inept group of circus performers. The film stars the voices of Dave Foley, Kevin Spacey, Julia Louis, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I can never say her name right. Yeah, you're right. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Hayden Panettiere, which is like one of her first roles.
0: Among others. So some of the little known facts about Bug's Life, other than it was Kaylee's first movie that she went to see at the movies. If you've not been list, if you've been listening to our show for a long time they've heard
1: it a gajillion they've times. They've
0: heard it a gajillion times, and I apologize. But as a mother That was a proud moment for me because... I can't believe I sat through the movie. 18-month-old daughter was just in awe of the fact the screen was so big and the thing that she disliked the most was when the movie was over, it didn't rewind like at home when you could rewind it and play it again. Was I
1: aggressive at that age? Like, even at that young age, too, because I'm somebody who can easily get infuriated by movies and it can swing my mood. Like, some people watch stuff and they're like, it's just fake. But I get so heated when stuff is like... When there's bullies in movies or when there's people that are pretty much any antagonist i'm mad like about everything and so was i like that at that age even no
0: i no i i mean i just i didn't know if you would fall asleep because it was the afternoon and i mean even though at that point you were kind of fighting naps because i think it's funny because now you would take a nap if i'd let you take one every day and you're an adult but and we tried to tell you as a child you would want a nap but well,
1: no kid believes that and then you hit an age and age like, you wow. hit college and you're like sleep
0: mom was right should have done those naps but yeah you just that screen came on and it was like magic for you and just watching your face and no you didn't like your facial expressions would show like you didn't like those uh grasshoppers coming in because you were like it's not fair but
1: i'm surprised i wasn't scared honestly because that's like a parts of that are not
0: okay. you're not an easily t- scared child like you just came out with I don't know. In some ways you came out it as an adult and then in other ways you were a child. But yeah, I just, anyway, so let's move on so yeah. that I don't buy them. Well,
1: one more. Okay. I could just see myself resonating with like Dot. If you guys have seen Bugs Life a lot, there's the one part where she like smacks the bad grasshopper and she goes, bad grasshopper. <laughs> and I just think of like that little me. That could be you. Yeah. Oh yeah. That totally little, could be you. I think of little me being like that.
0: Yeah. I could think of you being like that too. Cause you would tell Joey no. Or when we, would, when we were trying to teach Joey to talk and he would not finally. And you're like, say milk. Because you were so mad because he wouldn't just say the word. Well, it was frustrating for little me because you,
1: I didn't understand. I was like, I can talk. You
0: can talk. Why can't he talk? I know. We wanted you to talk so bad. And now I'm like, oh, what were we thinking? <laughs> oh, thanks. Just kidding. So the Pizza Planet truck appears next to the mobile home when a bug flies into the bug zapper. That one was um, very apparent in that yeah. movie to us. And the Pizza Planet truck is a favorite signature uh, Pixar animers like to hide it in all their Pixar movies. It's like Joey's favorite thing. If you uh, did not watch it or listen to his Pixar episode, it's over a year old now, but he, it's, a, it's probably two, three years almost. Is it almost? Well, it would have been two summers ago. He did it um, about the Pixar theory about how everything connects and everything. But the, the pizza truck is in every Pixar movie except for The Incredibles, which ironically is one of his favorite movies ever. So uh, he just loves to try to find it. I know that was the big thing when we were watching um, Onward was everybody be looking for that pizza truck. Yeah. And it was a lot more apparent in this movie. Some of them is very hard to find. The good
1: dinosaur is the hardest one. Yes. It's in the asteroid belt at the beginning of the movie when that asteroid is zooming towards Earth and they're like, what if it didn't hit the Earth? <laughs> and it like just zooms through space and it's like in the belt somewhere.
0: Well, like I thought, it was hard to find in Brave because wasn't.
1: It's in the. I'm pretty sure it's in the wood carving shop. Yeah, it's with a lot little of other Easter. Little, yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, the cereal box that was in the Bug City bears the code A113-1195. The first part of the code A113, or sometimes A113, A113, all three. It's some code that they use, and so that's why they put it on that box.
1: This is an inside joke to animators and is also used as a favorite easter egg that Pixar animators like to hide in their various films. The actual number refers to the classroom used by California Institute of the Arts students, which included John Lasseter, Tim Burton, and Brad Bird, all three very big names. It has appeared in every Pixar movie with the exception of Monsters, Inc. The second part of this code, 1195, this represents the release date of Toy Story, November 1995. A poster for Disney's Lion King on Broadway can s- be seen among the posters in Bug City. That's an- I've never noticed that.
0: I did notice that. Um, I don't know when. It's been a few years. But when I was like, oh, I didn't know that was in there. So,
1: yeah. The thing I remember from that scene the most is the daddy long legs. Because I was like, well,
0: <laughs> you <laughs> I know, never, they're harmless. You've never just, liked daddy long legs. But they're
1: just gross. Like, I don't know. Just why you got to have such excessive legs, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you need them? the circus wagons are made of boxes of animal crackers called casey jr's cookies this is also the name of the cartoon circus train in disney's 1941 animated film dumbo and the bakery that makes casey jr's cookies according to the box is j grant j grant bakery named after joe grant one of the storyboard artists on dumbo i never knew that either i knew the casey's cookies but i never knew the references to dumbo
0: And those cookies are very tasty, by the way. Well, we can't eat those. Just as... Well, no, not now we can't, but we could. And uh, just a side note for anybody who wants to know that. So the ant's tree that's used in in other... It's also used in other Pixar movies. For example, in Toy Story 2, which I think you picked out, Kaylee, is the tree in Jessie's flashback when she's going back in time. It's also in the movie Up with uh, Carl Fredrickson and Ellie. And so it's crazy... I love how they tie that stuff together. Just
1: yeah, like, they use the same... And it's like, isn't it supposed to be... So, Disney's Animal Kingdom opened in 1998, correct? Correct. So, same year that Bug's Life came out. So, was the tree... When it, they were building Animal Kingdom, did they do that on purpose? The Tree of Life and the tree and Bug's Life. And then they were like, we're just going to start using this and everything.
0: Well, I don't know if that's why they started to put it in the movies. I just know... That yes, that tree was like they put it in the movie because it was part of Animal Kingdom, they were trying to piece that all and then together.
1: It was like advertising. Come see it.
0: Yes. It was awesome. Um, they had lots of Bugs Life characters, of course, those have long since gone. I'm sure they have the costumes somewhere on Disney property, oh, but yeah. you just never see them anymore. But I do know I saw well, I had a video that you used to watch. It was a Disney sing along from them when it first opened.
1: Yeah. I remember Flick and Ada in our earlier trips going, they were in parades
0: still. Right. But not really anymore. A lot of films have come out since then. They, they have, but I think sometimes it would be fun to have a... Like a flashback parade or something with yeah, some just the- do all the old characters. Yeah, because now that we have Disney Plus, these younger generations are being able to see things that haven't been out for years, and you want to see that. Just like, um, I don't even know if I got the chance to tell you. I saw- sorry, listeners, we got off track, but it- this does have to do with Disney. One of my students got the Steamboat Willie Lego set. And she brought it to her meet and greet with us the other day on uh, Zoom. And it was amazing. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever. But not all kids know about Steamboat Willie. But if you're a Disney fan, you do. So Bugs Life used almost 10 times the computing power that Toy Story required. On average, it took three hours to render each frame of a Bugs Life. Compare that to the average of 17 hours a frame that it took for cars. This may seem counterintuitive given the large increase in computer processing power between those two movies, but it simply goes to show how much more detail is going into a film as animation continues to advance. In addition, computers are now being used to do things that the animators used to do by hand, such as retracing for reflections.
1: Yeah, it's kind of insane how, I was talking with Joey about that the other day, how things just, you don't even realize how fast it advances. Until, like, we saw Frozen 2, and I was floored, because obviously the animation in Frozen 2 was awesome. But then I went back and was looking at scenes from Frozen, and, like, I remember seeing that in a theater and being like, that
0: animation's cool. And now it's, like, behind. It's so weird. Yeah, it is really growing at, at a rapid speed to think about. Incredibles well, 2 was Just awesome. like kids now. So, like, my second graders, you know that there weren't cell phones, or there were cell phones... In some part of my class, I had a years. slide
1: phone, but when I was thirteen, like that's when I got a slide phone, right? And that was only ten years ago.
0: But like Joey's class, and they made that a statement when he graduated, was the only class, or was the first class that was not born into a time where everybody pretty much had a cell phone, or every family had at least one cell phone. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like it was ten years ago only that I had a slide phone, and then I got my first iPhone when I turned fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. So I know it's advanced very fast.
0: So, I mean, if it's doing that with phones, think about with technology for movies. That's and not stuff. accessible
1: to everybody, you know, like only the certain kind of just like for Marvel fans, like when we were, we're really on a tangent, listener, sorry, Joey and I were watching the Marvel films because I'd never seen them. And the kind of technology that Robert Downey Jr.'s character Tony Stark has, I'm like, what the heck, like this exists? And he's like, well... It's too expensive to make a profit on because they couldn't sell it, so he just keeps it to himself. He just designs it and keeps it. I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) It's like the kind of like holographic things that he can interact with, and I'm like, I want that.
0: Who knows? Years down the road. Yeah, I know.
1: A bug's life bears many similarities to ants. This is a joke. (laughs) I think this is funny. Both films feature a colony of ants with a member who thinks differently to the others and wishes to gain the feelings of the princess. Ants was released by DreamWorks Animation a month before A Bug's Life was released. This was due to Jeffrey Katzenberg leaving Disney as a result of a bitter internal dispute between himself and the company. Katzenberg then co-founded DreamWorks SKG with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. The SKG in the DreamWorks company name refers to its founders Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen. Knowing that Disney was making a movie about ants, DreamWorks SKG instantly started production on ants. Although Katzenberg claimed that the film came from an independent pitch that had nothing to do with Disney, when Pixar scheduled A Bug's Life to be released in the same week as DreamWorks' first feature, The Prince of Egypt... Katzenberg was furious. In retaliation, he brought forward the release date of Ants by five months to ensure it was released ahead of A Bug's Life. There was a rumor, which was never confirmed, that Katzenberg offered rich financial in- financial incentives to the production team at DreamWorks to get their film out first, despite Pixar's head start. In the end, A Bug's Life made $200 million more at the cinema thanks to better promotion and being more aimed at kids, although both films
0: were praised by critics and audiences.
1: The movie Ants is a joke, and it is a disgrace. I, I know. hate it.
0: I know he was angry, but I think that that kind of came out in that movie. I don't... That movie is harsh. And the
1: animation is... True. ...gross compared to Pixar. i Well, because
0: we know that they had to throw and it together. I'm, and that's somebody who loves DreamWorks.
1: Like, hello, they brought us Shrek. I love Shrek, and that's right. such an iconic... But still... Really? Right. <laughs> That's so petty. I know. Ada, the elder ant princess, is named after the scientific genius name... Or genus name. Uh, I'm not sciencey. Is named after the scientific genus name for the leafcutter ants of Central and South America. Kudos to Pixar for doing their homework and keeping education at the forefront along the way, all the while entertaining us with a great story, too. This is the only Pixar film released before Disney's acquisition of the company, which has not had a prequel nor a sequel. And I'm upset. <laughs> Like the kind of animation they could do now because it's been over 20 years. I know. Well, yeah, they could totally still do it. I know. Because, I I mean, they bring it back.
0: New generation. They did the Incredibles 14 years later. Like, why not? Write your Disney person. (laughs) Write Bob Tapik. They're going to listen. This would be the time for them to do that because they need to bring in some, you know, they're people going to be scared. It's going to be a while. I don't think that people are going to be traveling as much.
1: Yeah, and I personally feel that they've really focused on doing live action, which I think has been really cool, and they focused on doing sequels for things that don't necessarily need sequels, if that makes sense. Like, there are some things that I think deserve sequels that they're just kind of, they haven't announced it yet, or it's just kind of to the wayside, like, and they're just like, well, maybe not.
0: To me, and I know people are going to throw things at their uh, phones or computers that are listening to us or radios, but... I think they should have just left Toy Story 3 at Toy Story 3.
1: I personally agree because it's not that I didn't enjoy Toy Story 4.
0: Spoiler alert for anybody who has never watched Toy Story 4. So turn your radios down. It's
1: not that I didn't enjoy Toy Story 4, but it is not one that I want to rewatch over and over again. And it's just really sad. And I guess the thing is, as I've thought about it, I think they made it to where it became about because the people who were born like I wasn't even born when Toy Story came out and I'm in my 20s like so the people who were born to understand it are like late 20s early 30s that they were young enough they were old enough to understand it's kind of at that point where I think they wanted to make a point that you can't always like sometimes you have to do something better for yourself at least in this kind of society I think that's what they were trying to show was that like you can't hang on to something if it's like hurting your hurting your future or whatever else even as long even if it's gonna like hurt you you have to move on kind of thing which i I think what they were going for it's not the disney ending we wanted that people normally want but i think it it was important that disney had an ending like that now i think they could have done it in a different series that wasn't already well wrapped up right right that's what i think at least was they were trying to show like you can still be
0: friends and not be together all the time i guess right which is
1: real like that's real life so if As you're my- out
0: there disney imagineers or you would like us to help you design a movie <laughs> to bring a sequel to bug's life so many years later it will be over 20 years later at this point um but i just that was such a great movie
1: someone underrated too like that is a movie that most people don't know about like when i talk to them or if I see it they're like it's a distant memory like when they were little they watched it but it's not like all the other ones that they, and they play
0: it I mean it's on freeform besides Disney plus I don't, I don't know why that kids don't know I know some of my classmates did know who it was and I think there's a poster in my room with Bugs Life for some reason I don't know let's bring it back people you can start a petition we want to bring back some Bugs Life um Disney's gonna need to revamp some I mean, some money that they lost during this pandemic and so this would be the time. Take things that were so fantastic and build from them. We know that it works because you got the Toy Story series, obviously, even even though we don't love Toy Story 4 as much as some of the younger generations, it is still a well-known movie. So if you have something good like that and Incredibles 2 and, and uh, Monsters University, all these things that we've done, I think it wouldn't hurt them to do it for sure.
1: Especially, yeah, because when I think about movies that Wreck-It Ralph is not Pixar, but like even Wreck-It Ralph got a second. Right. And like that could have easily like just stayed where it was. Right. It was fun to get a second one because I love, uh, I forgot his name, the the guy from Step Brothers, the dude who voices Ralph.
0: Yeah, I can't think of his name. Either. I can't think of
1: his name, listeners. You're screaming at me, but he's hilarious. Like that actor is just hilarious. So I loved watching just to watch him be the character um and be clueless because that's like what that character is but uh yeah even it got a sequel and i feel like bug's life is one of those ones that deserves a sequel and wally (laughs) i love wally like they arrived on earth did they live well we know
0: bring it back people bring back from what we know and love and then you can always refurb that merchandise bring that merch back and it can be retro like they did with the little orange bird stuff and all the tiki room and all the things that they brought back that used to be and it's back again so well we really got on tangents today (laughs) we did get on tangents we are sorry but we hope that you've enjoyed all three of these episodes where we've gone back and researched the good and the bad and the ugly of some of the Disney animations some of them were kind of scary for us to do and we're glad Disney changed them for sure we'd like to thank you um, for always listening and if you are interested on being in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment you can email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or if you would like to book a trip or you just want a free quote you can text me at 636-373-4497 or contact me at vicky v-i-c-k-i-e dot black at yourstorytravel.com you can check us out on our social media accounts yourstorytravel.com our facebook page is the mousecapades podcast and our twitter account is mousecapades pod Be sure to listen
1: to Wednesday's show as we
0: dish the latest rumors and news and chat with the Your Story travel
1: gang. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains the space between your
0: ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Well, Kaylee, I think it is about that time we have tied this up in a bow. Disney love and pixie dust. Have Have a magical magical day, day, my friends. friends.